Mic check. on Saturday, August the 19th, and you're listening for the first time on Sunday, August the 20th, uh, and the rebroadcast will air on August the 21st at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in 2023. Uh, my name is Jasmine, and this week I'm with my friend Janet. Hi, Janet. Hello. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. I hear, I hear you had a fun day today. Yeah, I'm uh, out here on Long Island. Got to take in some of the beautiful beach scene scenery here. And I'll be heading back to the city on Monday, so. Okay, so you're having a true weekend. Yeah, good to get a little bit. I feel like the summer's been passing by so quickly, so I'm trying to get these last uh, beach days in. And my sister's down from upstate New York, so it's nice to be with family. Okay, well, hi, sister. Um, well, that sounds like fun. I got my laundry done today. Yes, which That's is always also, a big achievement. Yeah, I mean, I always feel because I don't have an in apartment or in home washer, so it's always like a big Herculean effort to get it done at the laundromat and up and down the stairs. But I yep. did it. I made it. So, not the beach, but something got accomplished for another few weeks of fresh clothing exactly yeah yeah all right so for this week we don't have a large number of stories uh, but they're both um, very important so we'll probably talk about them for a while Uh, the first one the local news story is about um, some unfortunate whale deaths that have been happening um, on in the long island sound is that right that's correct yeah right in our own waters here Right. And for, uh, actually it's for, I decided to label it both world and national for reasons I'll mention later on, but um, we'll also be discussing uh, the aftermath of the wildfires that are happening right now in Maui. So at the top of the hour, that was a snippet of the song Doomsday by MF Doom. And it contains a sample of the Sade song Kiss of Life. Uh, so the other tracks that I've picked out for today, they're hip-hop songs um, in honor, again, of the 50th anniversary of the genre. And there's hip-hop songs that have samples that I think are really creative. So I hope you enjoy the rest of them. So for our local news story, um, Janet, go ahead. So this uh, story comes from Newsday, a local paper of Long Island. Um, It was called Boat Strikes to Blame for Whale Deaths, Experts Say, written by John Ashbury. Long Island and the region has seen a record number of dead whales wash ashore this year as part of a six-year-long unusual mortality event that experts say is largely due to boat strikes as more of the marine mammals come to local waters to feed. Two humpback whales washed ashore on Long Island beaches in the past week, one August 11th at Smith Point County Park, 
and another washed ashore Monday night at Long Island at Long Beach. Both whales showed signs of blunt force trauma consistent with boat strikes following the necropsies to examine a possible cause of death. Ship strikes are a major culprit. They're playing in traffic, unfortunately, said Paul Cizuerda, director of Gotham Whale, a nonprofit whale tracking organization. Quote, one may think they might be aware of the ship, but for some reason they're not able to evade these vessels. Sometimes these vessels, the size of these ships are immense, and ships may not be aware. Quote. There have been at least 16 whales found dead this year, marking a record year for deaths in the New York, New Jersey region, exceeding the 14 whales that died in 2017, mostly off Long Island. The deaths are part of a larger, unusual mortality event since 2016, tracked by biologists and conservationists across the East Coast. Experts say there have also been large increase in whales spotted off Long Island, feeding off the same schools of tiny um, menhaden fish that also lure sharks closer to the shore. The humpback whales, dolphins, and other marine life are coming closer to the shore due to cleaner and warmer waters, experts say. In many cases, officials say, whales are crossing shipping channels to get to the food, but are then placed at risk from other human activities such as recreational boating and becoming entangled in fishing nets. There have been eight humpback whales that washed ashore on Long Island this year and three mink whales, which died as part of a separate mortality event suspected to be from disease or biological causes, said Robert DiGiovanni, director of the Atlantic Marine Conservation Society, known as AMCs. He said the number of deaths this year correlates with an increased number of offshore sighting of whales. He noted humpback whales are not endangered and said the trend in deaths may be linked to more whales coming to the region earlier in winter and spring, when they generally don't arrive until the summer. Quote, they're coming in an area close, closer to shore with more activity. We know they're coming across the shipping lanes, and if there's food in the shipping lanes, Giovanni said. About half of the whales examined on regional beaches this year show signs of human interactions, either through boat strikes or fishing nets, Giovanni said, but some were too badly decomposed to determine an exact cause of death. Some critics have said that the sound waves produced by sonar used to map the ocean floor for constructing offshore wind turbines may also be harming the whales. But to date, no deaths since the beginning of the current Northwest Atlantic humpback whale mortality event have been attributed to offshore wind activities, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration for Fisheries. More whales are also being drunk to Long Island due to warmer waters as a result of climate change, said Regina Asmutas Sylvia, director of the Massachusetts Whale and Dolphin Conservation. There have been more than 200 humpback whales found dead off the East Coast since the mortality event began in 2016. She said climate change has pushed humpback whales to Montauk waters that would usually be seen in the Gulf of Maine, 
north of Cape Cod at this time of year. From the conservation perspective, it's a huge concern. This mortality event is along the entire East Coast, and it's not just animals washing up in New York, as Muda Sylvia said. We know the threats are up and down the East Seaboard, and it makes it more publicly aware of it. These are risks they are facing throughout the region. Yeah, so firstly, kind of incredible that we we have kind of seen this summer and in, in recent summers um, more presence of marine life. So on the one hand, that's a really positive thing. Um, you know, there's been a few notes in the news about shark attacks, which may sound scary, but in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a good sign because New York waters have been so polluted in prior years. This is kind of a sign of some cleaner waters and, and more fish returning. But on the other hand, very, very scary to see um, so many deaths of these whales and kind of horrific to imagine um, boats crashing into them and some boats that are of a size that they don't even realize they hit a whale. Oh my God, yeah, because when you were saying, like I was thinking more like, something smaller like dolphins and things like that being susceptible but when you say a humpback whale that's it's such a big animal yeah yeah it's like the force that it would take for something to hurt them where it would kill them that's it's that's shocking to hear exactly and it's i think you know we see roadkill of course on the roads all the time deer and big animals but to think of that kind of um, trauma and crash happening in the water is, is unfamiliar. Yeah, did you see anything? Like, did they say anything about like what the solution would be? Because I know someone you mentioned in the article was saying that like the animals are not able to, or maybe what maybe they were talking about the people driving the boats. But they were saying, it sounded like they were saying the whales are not able to steer clear of the boats. But I don't think yeah. that that's like, you know, deer can't navigate headlight, you know, because it's a new thing. Like they haven't evolved for that type of a threat. So, yeah, I th that that article doesn't really give any um, discussion of what what the solution here might be, but. Certainly, I think at least getting the word out, making people aware that there are humpbacks back in this region now, and hopefully, um, you know, boats are making efforts to be more alert and to not hit the whales and to think about their patterns of activity. And, you know, if they see schools of these big fish that they might be after or, um, you know, to steer clear. Yeah, have you have you encountered like I know you've um and we can cut this out if you want, but I know you've helped clean like the big whale at the museum. Have you ever seen like to scale the size of a humpback whale? Well, there was a whale that washed up on Jones Beach a few years prior and I wanted to take a look at it. Just I heard it was pretty disgusting, but because it has decomposed and stuff and it was quite smelly. But I really would like to see, 
the scale of it because I've seen I've seen whales in the water at a distance on some trips, um, including humpback whales. But you know, it's hard. It is hard to appreciate their size. Um, I think they're pretty incredibly huge. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is a positive thing that they're saying, you know, the water in this area is getting better. Like, it's it's rare to hear something that is, you know, a piece of good news about anything with the environment. But then, you know, you do have to be more mindful. Like, I guess, like, there's deer crossing signs or different ways that you deal with, you know, where you have car traffic or foot traffic, but it interacts with an animal's habitat. Like they probably have to consider like maybe there's certain hours or times of the year where like you can't do as much on some of these boats or something since the whales are here, but yeah, that's that's a big number of deaths. It's yeah. And it's, there's been other reportings of whale deaths all around the world for different reasons. Sometimes it's hunting. Sometimes it's it, you know, they mentioned that, people were concerned about the, the sound and that's certainly been a cause of death for a number of whales around the world. Um, you sound know, as in actual like noises? Yes. Like the, I think the Russian Navy had these boats that, you know, they emit a lot of noise underwater and because whales are so communicative through sound that it can, it can cause them to beach themselves because they're, it's so painful to them to hear the loud noises of the ships. Um, and certainly that could be a factor here too, just in general with the motorboats or um, usually it's, it's more, I think, military equipment that creates, you know, the sonar that is sending out these signals at frequencies that, that affects the whales. Um, but that's a tragic cause of death for whales that, you know, it's like it's like a person if if we had someone having a screaming a high pitch into your ear incessantly it might make you go crazy as a person mhm um but there was a a lot of different articles um featured kind of in the local papers this week about the sound and and its quality of water um Another one that I was considering discussing today was about um, the removal of lobster traps in the sound. And that was also one that was kind of positive and negative. Positive that they're removing these traps. Um, So far, this company had removed 21,000 abandoned lobster traps from the sound. But they have a lot more to go. And the reason they're trying to do this is because these traps... The reason they're abandoned is maybe they broke down or the fishermen stopped being fishermen because there's no fish to catch, but um, or no lobsters to catch. But they, when they abandon the traps, they can still actually capture marine life and cause them to die. So taking them out of the water helps, um, you know, eliminate that needless cause of death of fish and other animals. Um, so right. that was a positive one. And then the other story that has been floating around New York City and Long Island is about the, um, there's a bacteria in the water that um, two people in Connecticut, I think, died from eating oysters that had this bacteria in it. 
Um, another person from Long Island got very sick from eating one. And Is it then... the vibriosis thing? Exactly. Yeah. It's I like heard a, about it in Jersey. Disease. Hmm? I heard about it. Like there was some article about New Jersey beaches. People had to be careful. Yeah. So that was um, kind of the warning is mostly for seafood and mostly for people with liver conditions. But, you know, they said there was this one man who had an open wound that went into the sound this week and it, it caused him to get the bacteria. Um, and they said that this is kind of another factor of warming waters that um, it's more common for this bacteria to show up in, in these conditions and obviously we discussed on your show previously all about how these this summer and every year it gets warmer in the waters around the world so just just another vulnerable point for climate change related ocean problems oh yeah i mean that extra heat is it throws everything off like when you talked about the coral reefs a couple weeks ago like that really highlighted it like it is such a delicate balance and any little thing can have all these unforeseen consequences down the line like when you were talking about the noise killing the whales it reminded me of this article um, written by ed yong uh ed uh last name y-o-n-g he used to write for the atlantic but he doesn't anymore but he wrote a long article um in the summer of last year called How Animals Perceive the World. Every creature lives within its own sensory bubble, but only humans have the capacity to appreciate the experiences of other species. What we've learned is astounding. And, you know, it. the way that um, if you Google it, like it says how light and noise pollution confound animal senses. So it's about like the way things that we do, like whether it's bright city lights or, you know, sounds that we make, they're like bats and birds and like all these little creatures that you might not ever see, like their whole way of navigating or finding a mate or finding their way back home, like can get completely screwed up. Yeah, And, you know, a lot of people just, it doesn't occur to them to think of it, but he's like, you know, we, there's more to, there's more ways to perceive the world than what we perceive. And we don't, you know, a lot of the decisions that we make, like as a species do not take, um, or I would say, you know, depending on the culture or the society that you're in, like they don't take into account, like how, you know, the other animals we live here with, you know, what we do can really throw them off and mess things up. So, yeah, That's I didn't I didn't even think about whales basically committing suicide in a way or like dying yeah. just because of that. But it makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, and it's, um, you know, some of the sounds are things, you know, we're, we're not even perceiving them at the surface, potentially. Um, and, you know, I think people may or may not be aware of how a lot of whales not only communicate to one another through sound the way we as humans do, but they also perceive their locations by sound, by bouncing the sound back to themselves. 
so like echolocating in the water yeah like dolphins can like you know send out their sound and and get a sense of their like you were saying like they have a different way of perceiving location because they're in a a water environment and sound moves differently through water so it's a way for sea creatures one way that sea creatures can locate themselves in space so yeah it's it's incredibly sad to think of that in addition to other ways whales might die but the one that's it's basically like a form of torture And and just with climate and the warming waters, like that's another factor of like we've gotten into discussion with before about, you know, patterns where the animals are changing. So I think the more marine biologists can get a sense of where the new fish are in, in our area, where it's drawing the whales, maybe they can communicate patterns they see to um, to sailors. Um, people with the large water vessels, um, that's the best bet. But, you know, like all human nature interactions, it's complicated and we're usually overpowering everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the first step in a lot of this is, you know, awareness, because I don't, I mean, there's people who hunt whales and stuff for sport or, you know, hunt animals in general, like for fun and not for, you know, sustenance like some people's do. But I would think in general, a lot of this stuff is really unintended and, you know, people wouldn't want it to be if they knew that certain things they're doing are causing this, they probably would be willing to stop it or to change. So I learned something new about like how this could be hurting them because I, I didn't really think of them getting it. I thought that they would be too far below the surface or that they would know that the boat is there and be able to swim away, but yeah. I guess not, you know. I don't know. That's very... Um, and I think I think whales are, you know, certain animals people maybe aren't prone to being as sympathetic to if they're certain insects or something that are essential to the environment but I think many people you know whales are kind of this um, poster species right that people are sympathetic to because of their beauty and intelligence and so hopefully at least on that level it'll get people thinking about changes that can be made right I mean I would um, this is making me think of one of my favorite um, films I've seen it a few times whale rider it's a movie that came out um, in New Zealand and it's about this young Maori girl who comes from a, like her people have a tradition where there's someone who's like, they can communicate with the whales, you know, and like they're mm-hmm. kind of like responsible for c- certain like rituals and things. But in her family, she had like a twin brother, but the twin brother died like in her, like after, um, she was born so it's just her and she's a girl and like they don't typically pass that down to girls so the movie is like about her relationship with her family and how she does have a connect like she does feel she has this connection with the whales and there is a part a, a big part of the action is that well the action of the story is that you know in this community that is so in tune with marine life like being in polynesia 
Like yeah. there's these whales that just get beached and they're like, what's going on? Like something is happening with them. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's an aside, but if you haven't seen Whale Rider, I really, I highly recommend it. Um, take some time to watch it. It's an end beautiful film. Um, yeah, that's something definitely I would like to revisit. I remember it coming out, but you, that takes me back to talking about it. It's been a long time. It's been, are you ready for it? 21 years. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> We're getting to the point where you say a time like that, and it's like, yeah, I was walking, talking, watching, live, aware of stuff back then. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's streaming on Stars. If you have a Stars um, subscription, you can also find it on YouTube, Hulu, Amazon Prime. But it looks like you have to have a premium subscription. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's a important film. All right. So you are listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And this track has samples from Earth, Wind, and Fire's song, I Think About Loving You. The Cool and the Gang track, Heaven at Once, and Albert King's I'll Play the Blues for You. This is the Nappy Heads remix by the Fugees. That includes Wyclef Jean, Lauren Hill, and Prize Michelle. We'll be right back. I got some of that little cheaper y'all. Well, I'm a Libra, y'all. A cheaper cheaper y'all. Well, I'm a Libra, y'all. On a battle swing, I bring commanding me like I was king. And all your dreams are right, the horror flicker speaking king. Cling the forks on those in favor, say ah. I got tired of the fat lady, so I sing to my own opera. Balang balang balang, to the man in Rakhas Island. If you live by the sun, you're gonna die by the gun. Cause all guys tell lies and more girls commit sin. I was born in the code red, but now I'm chilling with a few good men. Assassination on the kid from the capital. I never played a soap opera, but now I'm in general hospital. Condition critical, spirit overrules the physical. So if I die, catch me at the funeral. I'll fly away, oh glory With the mic in my hand to a land where only God knows me And the angels write raps on holy paper I said I'm looking for Jesus He said take the escalator one flight up It's guaranteed you'll be there My sister be there, my mother be there So Mona Lisa, could I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, I wouldn't buy tickets Saturday hey, hey, Wrong dog, they possibly you coming around the way I don't puff blood so I always got my breath Never had to battle with a bulletproof they call me cockweaver, but I still keep a chest. I don't wear Jerry girls, cause I'm not from the West. No disrespect to the West, true and deep. I rock it to the east, the east is the sea. The sea to them days back, your ships gets hot tracks. Peace to Mr. Magic, things are getting tragic. Now we on some new stuff, I never fit the Ku Klux. My own clan is acting up, I blame it on the Philly Club. What's your crew to do? Kids are acting, ooh, your lips getting mad up. Your ass a corporate now, I'm Mr. Three-Piece suit. Check the square boots, your bones and two of them boots. Nah, that's the surface. And all the vomit kids have got a head. Full of problems in the hand, full of nappy root. I've been at Jones coming down your wife. I got the slang to make the chitty bang bang, the ring dang the dang, the nappy head bang. No, I got the slang to make a chitty bang bang, your red dang dang dang, the nappy heads bang. Your Mona Lisa, could I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, I wouldn't mind taking Saturday. You can follow our social media accounts. We have an Instagram account and we also have a Facebook account. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash objection radio free BK. 
No spaces, no punctuation. Our Instagram account is at objection to the rule. Again, no spaces, no punctuation marks. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And up next, I'm going to be covering the national slash world story. Um, So I'm sure if you've been following the news, uh, you've seen that there's these really, really scary and devastating fires that have been devastating much of Maui. in recent weeks, um, there's been an incredible amount of like loss of life, you know, loss of homes. Uh, and I decided to say that it's a national story in a sense because Hawaii is considered a part of the United States. But I also decided, you know, you can also consider it a world story because, like most of the all of the united states you know it's on native land that was taken by force Uh, and this information comes from pbs.org some people might not be aware of some of this background um, but in a, a group of american plantation and business owners who were backed by the u.s military staged a coup to overthrow hawaii's queen lily Uo Kalani in January of 1893. Uh, After a failed insurrection by her supporters in 1895, she was charged with treason and put under house arrest in her palace. When Hawaii was annexed by the United States in 1898, Lili Ua Kalani declined the offer to watch the annexation ceremonies as she could not bear to see the Hawaiian flag lowered and the stars and stripes put into its place. Um, And that information from PBS, like they go on to explain how she had been advocating for like her people to have voting rights and trying to preserve their rights and their dignity as a Polynesian independent people. So that history is not that far away. It's very recent uh, and there's still very much a culture of native indigenous people to Hawaii that are alive and well and there who are not, they do not identify as being Americans or United States citizens. So I think it's important to have that at the forefront. Um, And for the fire, this is from CBS News. The Laina fire was one of four that broke out on the island of Maui on August 8th. Um, that so far at least 2,200 structures have been destroyed and another 500 damaged in the blaze at an estimated cost of about $6 billion. 40 search dogs and 470 search and rescue workers have been deployed. As of August the 18th, 2023, at least 114 deaths have been confirmed so far in the Maui fires. A FEMA spokesperson Wednesday estimated that the number of people unaccounted for was between 1,100 and 1,300. So, you know, sadly, as the time goes on, like I 
can only imagine that that number is going to grow. Um, extremely sad. Um, and this article that I'm going to read is from The Guardian. This came out on Thursday, August 17th, and was written by Manvi Singh. Uh, and the title is Maui Wildfires Expose Rift Over Islands Tourism. We're more vulnerable than anyone admits. The industry generates 80% of Maui County's economic activity, but it risks devastating the island's natural resources. I mean, I'm going to read most of this article, but some things have been cut for the sake of time, so feel free to go back and read the full thing on your own. The fire that leveled the Hawaii town of Laina didn't discriminate. It seared through vacation rentals and historic landmarks alike, scorched a 150-year-old banyan tree and touristic tiki bars, reducing nearly everything to gray rubble. And the destruction has laid bare seething tensions about the dominance of tourism on the island. The industry brings in about $5.7 billion in revenue each year to Maui, where on any given day, about one-third of the people there are tourists, and provides about 75% of all private sector jobs there. But in recent years, Native Hawaiians and other local residents have pushed back against the industry, which has strained the island's natural resources. The industry's hold on the local economy has also placed Maui in a precarious position, struggling to protect paradise against the tides of climate chaos. In the aftermath of the fires, or in the immediate aftermath of the fires, tourism officials strongly discourage non-essential travel to the region where crews are still searching for missing people and thousands remain displaced from their scorched homes. Hotel rooms in West Maui, where Laina is located, were being used to house survivors and first responders and vacation rental operators were being urged to offer space for evacuees. Laina and West Maui more broadly remained closed for business, but in recent days, officials have changed their messaging. Even as residents express irritation and anger at visitors snorkeling in the same waters where crews are searching for fire victims and survivors, many West Maui residents, including those who had lost their homes, returned to work as servers, housekeepers, and concierge staff in other parts of the island. The fires, environmental advocates and locals say, are the latest sign that Maui and Hawaii more broadly needs to diversify its economy, especially as the climate crisis threatens to bring more extreme weather and degrade the very natural resources that attract visitors. Even before the fires erupted, climate chaos was wreaking havoc on the island and complicating its behemoth tourism industry. This year, the travel guidebook publisher Fodor's placed Maui on its no list of places to abstain from visiting citing increasingly common droughts. Last summer, residents of West Maui and the upcountry region faced stringent water restrictions and fines of $500 for non-essential water use, such as irrigation and washing cars. But the island's hotels and resorts were allowed to maintain golf courses, pools, and lush landscaping, while welcoming up to 8,000 travelers a day during peak season. 
Meanwhile, sea level rise due to global heating has caused devastating beach erosion that threatens some of the island's most popular beachfront resorts. Residents have been pressuring officials to forego expensive beach restoration projects and face the reality that many of Hawaii's oceanfront resorts and rentals will have to move. Rising sea levels, massive king tides, and storm surges have also threatened the island's scenic, I'm going to have a hard time with this name, Honoa Pilani, Honoa Pilani Highway, the main road in and out of West Maui. Many residents and native Hawaiians have long resented that Laina, once the burial place of the Hawaiian royal family, the first capital of the Hawaiian kingdom, a global trading hub and center for whaling, was being marketed to the rest of the world as an oceanside resort town. I think the fire was an acute trauma, but it's really just a punctuation point on the injustice that local people, especially Kanaka Maoli or native Hawaiians and immigrants have faced for generations, said Kaniela Ng, national director of the Green New Deal Network and a seventh generation native Hawaiian who was born and raised in Maui. Tourism was initially developed as a way to diversify the economy away from the extractive sugarcane and pineapple industry, which drained the island's wetlands to irrigate crops. Now, wetlands are being paved to build luxury vacation rentals. Across the islands, as in the continental United States, growing concerns about low pay and exploitative labor practices have also activated unions representing hotel and service industry workers in recent years. Movements to create more sustainable tourism practices and levy a climate surcharge for visitors or a pass system have gained traction among the grassroots and within state and local governments. Waning hospitality among Maui residents and people across the Hawaiian islands in recent years has raised alarm among state and local leaders. When residents reach a breaking point where attitudes about tourism become negative, that's a sign that something needs to be done, said Dan Spencer, a professor of travel industry management who has undertaken a series of research projects to assess attitudes towards tourism and determine the island's quote-unquote social capacity for visitors. But Spencer said the state should also study its ecological capacity, looking at how many tourists each year it can welcome without degrading freshwater resources and irreversibly damaging landscapes that are doubly threatened by development and global heating. Going forward, I don't know if it's less tourism, but I think more mindful tourism, said Kehulani Watson of Aina Momona. We have to think about enhancing and evolving the visitor experience to be one that invites people who can contribute to Hawaii as opposed to just taking from us. Um, so yeah, that was a lengthy read, I know, but I thought it was an important aspect of this tragedy that needs to be talked about um because you know even after you know when they do try to recover and everything like this is an ongoing issue and we see the wild wildfires happening up through canada and parts of the united states and also in maui 
you know, a lot of that is also very much tied to climate degradation and like landscapes being changed or used for things that they weren't meant to, that makes it more susceptible to going up in smoke and then just raging out of control. So it might seem like it's a completely separate issue, but it's actually all interrelated. Yeah, this this is a really devastating to read about, and and like you opened with, you know, there's still so many victims um, of the fire who haven't been found yet. It's not clear if they're alive. So thoughts go to the families who are awaiting news. Um, overall, I think Hawaii and this situation is like a microcosm of, of the bigger picture of what's going on everywhere. Um, multiple factors led into this. And, and like you said, it's, it's the environment, but also um, injust humanitarian injustices of the world. Um, it, it seems kind of thinking about the golf courses of the tourist industry when, you know, or just golf courses in these contexts where the water is becoming so precious. It's, it's kind of a metaphor for it all. Um, and the, like this, I think highlights how, you know, people need to change everything fast. Like this fire, um, they there's been a lot of discussion about what they could have done to get people aware of the fire and out to the right locations. The communication wasn't there. And I think everybody, these fires are happening all over the world. Everybody needs to have and plans to know sirens that are like, this is the fire siren. This is what you do in a fire. Schools should be educating people about what to do. Like, um, Staff should have a plan. I know some of the first names that were mentioned that were identified of who had passed were from an um, older folks living community, and they had someone knock on their door at some point and tell them something was going on with a fire, but then nobody came back to help facilitate people from leaving the where was this again? Um, it was an article I was reading about one of the, it was the some of the first victims who had been officially announced. Um, and it, it was in um, like a, a assisted living or a, an older folks living community. And, you know, it's just people like that are vulnerable. And, and I, I think, cities across the world need to have plans um, at every level, government down to like specific places like that, where if, if something happens, what's our protocol? How do we facilitate movement of people out of these spaces? Um, and, you know, it's just tying into our general lack of awareness and oblivion to these things that are catching up with us about the environment. Um, but really, really sad to see in, in beautiful Hawaii. Yeah, it, it is. And um, there was a tweet that I saw that made a point about how there's there's also a really bad fire raging in Yellowknife up in Canada yeah. and how there's these really disgusting like price gouging happening for people trying to get out like by plane and 
that and also Laina, like they're both places where there is a sub, there's a significant number of people living there who are indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't really like, there's not, it does seem like there is no plan, you know, like there was an interview with someone um, speaking about the fires in Maui and how he got a bunch of his friends together that happened to have um, like private, like small, but like things that you would use for fun. Like you wouldn't really use them to rescue people, but he was like, you, they, you know, did what they could. Cause he was like, we were waiting and no one came, like everyone kind of was thinking that, the government or like someone in charge was going to show up and help them. And he's like, everyone was just like, where are they? Like, what is going on? And it makes me, it reminds me of like, there's so many instances. It's like, I think a lot about Katrina Mm -hmm. and, you know, these other disasters on a much smaller scale, like in New York city with the wildfire smoke thing, like there wasn't really, clear statements and even the statements that came out weren't all that clear until it had been like at After least that. like two days yeah that's what I'm and saying. it's like you've been breathing in the worst of it and like people were outside working kids were out playing and then after the worst has passed then they close the schools and then they're giving people mats so it's really troubling how like there's a pattern where it seems like the plan is that there is no big plan and people are just left to kind of figure it out. Yeah. Um, which is very, it's, it's very, I don't even know what the word would be. It's disturbing. And I don't know how many people have really kind of internalized that. Like, I think some people feel like when it happens to them, they either think it won't happen where they live or they kind of assume that it'll be different if it comes to their doorstep. And I really, I don't know if that's true. Like, yeah, these things no, I, are happening so much. And I think it's sad that these fires are becoming so um, ubiquitous. And, you know, every it, it just seems like this story was also reminding me of, um, you know, in Greece, there were these horrific fires. Um, the island of Rhodes, which also, like Hawaii, is a a lot of their economy is based on tourism and part of their economy economy is based on their olives and the, and the olive oil and the olive trees burnt down and the, you know, villages burnt down and the tourist industry kind of shut down on that Island. And it meant kind of complete catastrophe for the people there. Um, so I think, in addition to having safety strategies, yeah, it's there's got to be changes with the economy too for places like this, and and uh, it's 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 really we're you know we've highlighted a lot on this show. We're coming into the dark times. Like this is it's a lot, and I think one thing that just highlighted how devastating this is. For Hawaii and the world is that they had a team of forensic um, osteologists basically who now have experience finding human remains in California, um, Canada, and now Hawaii. So it's like, you know, 
just a very morbid and, and dark look at like people are refining skills in finding the ashes of people and doing DNA analysis um, after the fact of another, yet another fire. Right, and I, I do remember you mentioned the fires in, um, in Greece and what stood out to me, I remember seeing a headline about of all the things they could have been about, it was about like British tourists who were not canceling their trip, mm. like as it was happening. And they were like, it's sad, but I'm still gonna go like they were going like in the midst of them. Like, I would think like, even for your own safety, like that, you wouldn't want to go into that type of environment. But it, it reminds me of like what the article mentioned about people who are like natives of Laina, who are like seeing people splashing around in water where people that they know might be dead in that water. Like, it's just such a weird, like yeah. people were just jumping into that water to try to not burn to death and they're still missing. Yeah. And to have to, to then see visitors coming, swimming around like nothing happened and then to have to go to work and like serve people. Yeah in that mindset like I, I just I don't even know how you would cope with that like how you would be able to do it yeah no it's I can't either and they they did say that some areas have been restricted and there was a basically exactly what you're saying someone had trespassed into an area with the ashes and they said if you have ash on your clothes it could be part of our lost family like literally like you are, we are meticulously going through every inch to try and identify as many uh, remains as we can. So, yeah, I can't imagine having to immediately turn over and go to work and and you know meet people who are not acknowledging the situation. Yeah, did you watch um the White Lotus? Yeah, yeah, that's also certainly been going through my mind too did you watch both seasons or just the first one both yeah I only watched the first one I I had I think you know there was a lot of it that was well done but I remember being disappointed like there's a native Hawaiian woman like character in the first episode that just disappeared you don't see her again yeah and I thought that that was gonna be, I was like looking forward to having that thread continue of you know what's her story what's her life like and I guess it's kind of maybe that was kind of the point is that that's how these places operate it's like you might be sort of you're part of the scenery but like the real story is like the people that are visiting there and like the people who's that's their home they're kind of like not the main thing but I remember being like, damn, like what happened to her baby? What happened? <laughs> like I know, I know. Yeah, I I think I thought the second season was slightly better, but I don't think I was as impressed as other people that were talking about it. I think it the show definitely had some, you know, important things to say about the vapidness of certain kinds of travel. Um Yeah. Yeah, I know my grandmother was a fan. Like she liked the second season. And I didn't realize Jennifer Coolidge is in both. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which I do like her. So maybe I'll yeah. check it out one of these days. Yeah, um, yeah, she can go together. Um, so I'm going to. There's an article on Mashable uh, at national Mashable dot com. M A S H A B L E, uh, and the title is five ways to help victims of the Maui wildfires. Um, I know like there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of um, controversy and issues with um, the American Red Cross, but they do list other um, organizations that you can give to and links to give to them. The number one uh, option is donate directly to local charities. And there's one um, called the Maui United Way, and there's a link to donate. Um, also highly recommended by locals, the Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong Fund is providing rapid response and recovery for Maui locals. Uh, there's also a link to donate there. So we'll be sharing that on our Facebook and also on our Instagram page. Uh, so if you're able to give, uh, please do so because, you know, it could be you one day and the way these fires are going, it may very well be sooner than later. So, you know, we have to help each other and try to think of ways to move forward because the status quo is not, it's not going to cut it. Like it's obviously not leading us to a good place now. So we got to figure out some solutions so we can move ahead. All right, so you have been listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stay tuned for more community-based Brooklyn radio. Thanks for recording with me today, Janet. It was fun. Thanks for having me. And this track is Electric Relaxation by A Tribe Called Quest. Uh, This song samples Mystic Brew by Ronnie Foster, Outside Love by Brethren, and Dreams by Ramsey Lewis. Stay safe, everyone. Yeah, please do. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. 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 Street poetry is my everyday But yo, I gotta stop when you drop my weight If I was working at the club, you would not pay Ayo, my man Fife Diggy, he got something to say I like him brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian mm. Name is Fife Dog from the Zulu Nation Told you in the jam that we could get down Now let's knock the boots like the group H-Town You got VPD all on your bedroom wall But I'm above the rim and this is how I bore A gritty little something on the New York street This is how I represent over this here beat Talking about Yo, I took you out, but sex was on my mind for the whole damn route. My mind was in a frenzy in a horny state, but I couldn't drop dimes cause you couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. Stretch out your legs, let me make you fall. Drop you insane, drop you up the wall. Staring at your dome piece, very strong. Stronger than pride, stronger than Teflon. Take it on the ab and you buy me links. Now I run a pound of food tang until it sticks. You could be my mama and I'll be your boy. Original road boy, never am I coy. You could be a shorty in my ill convoy. Not to come across And the last track for today samples a song called Today by the jazz musician Herbie Mann. 
Uh, that track came out in 1966. And this is Other Fish by the Far Side. It took a second to register up in my brain. And the Slimmy caught me peeping This means she wasn't sleeping on who I was So she creeped in like a hawk In a minute's time We adjourned to the floor Oh, I hit a high note Cause of the way that she was walking We got into the groove I didn't bust no uh, hip-hop moves I just kept it nice as who Next thing you know we got together Where I thought we'd be forever Didn't have an umbrella Now I'm soaking stormy weather Weather two birds of a feather Fly up all of the beat together Never simp and leave your love life them There'll be no suicide attempts for this slim trim kid Cause you know there's other fish in the sea that is In the sea, sea, in the sea that is In the you sea, there's other fish in the sea that is Just like all the other fish in the sea. <laughs> 